Let us turn in God's word this evening to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, entitled, A Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word, Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Stop our reading of God's holy word at that point. May God bless the reading of his holy scriptures unto our hearts. The text that we consider for the sermon this evening is the 14th verse of Psalm 103. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. <coughs> Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is common that at the end of a calendar year, one looks back upon what has happened in that year gone by and reflects upon what in the Lord's providence has come to his or her life. 
one can reflect upon what we would call the good things that came to us in 2023 and reflect upon children who were born into a congregation and reflect with thanksgiving upon marriages that God has given to members of his church can reflect as well upon the goodness of God in recalling his mercies as he forgives us our sins. We're exhorted by the psalmist not to forget that. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. But as well at the end of the year as we look back on the, this year gone by, we also recall to mind some of the difficulties and the hardships that were experienced. We recall times of grief, disappointment, loss, even the loss of loved ones through death. It is good and appropriate that the Christian remember his own frailty. Psalm 90 verse 2 so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. But beloved, as we reflect upon this year gone by, let us keep in mind that we are not the only ones who have the ability to recall what happened in 2023. We are able to self-reflect but self-reflection is not always perfect reflection. <laughs> the reality is that oftentimes our memories are forgetful. Sometimes our perspective of events can be skewed, influenced, shaped, even by others. Sometimes as we self-reflect, we imagine that we are better than what we are. We have an inflated sense of self and self-worth. But other times as we reflect on self, we fall into the other ditch of having a deflated view of self. We judge that we are worthless. Or perhaps it seems to us that this year was worthless. We didn't accomplish what we wanted to accomplish. We set goals. We had New Year's resolutions. But then we did not achieve those goals. And then we are disappointed because of that. And so it is good and appropriate for us as Christians to seek somebody else's input somebody else's evaluation of us, given that our self-reflections oftentimes are inaccurate, it is appropriate that we look for somebody else to give a proper perspective of us. We seek someone to give this reflection of us who will be honest with us. We do not turn to someone who we know it will be kind, but perhaps is going to hide the truth away from us. But we want someone who can give to us 
the reality. But then as well, we want someone who, as they give their evaluation of us, will not only be honest with us, but also will be gentle with us. Someone who, as they give their observations, gives them in such a way that they will not tear us down, but will lovingly and gently convey truth unto us. We need somebody who knows us well. Somebody who is intimately aware with our particular situation in life. And who is qualified? To give this sort of reflection upon us. But God. God has thoughts about the year that we call 2023. And God's thoughts and his judgments are perfect. And what does God recall about his people in 2023? He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He knows our frame. We use that as our theme for the sermon this evening. First, we'll consider man's constitution. What is it that makes up man? And then second, God's consideration of man. Man's constitution consists of a frame. For he knoweth our frame. This word frame is translated different ways in the scriptures. Sometimes it's translated as form. Other times it's translated as one's thought or one's imagination. But overall this word frame has the idea of that which is hidden on the inside. That which is not visible to the, the naked eye, but that which is hidden behind the shell or the exterior of something. The carpenter who constructs homes for a living is well acquainted with this idea of the frame. He understands the importance of the frame of a building. Before the drywall is hung, before taping and texturing goes on, the walls, you first have to put the frame of the home up. And it's important that that frame be solid, that it be strong enough to bear up the weight of the home, that it be able to last a long time so that whoever will in the future occupy that home doesn't have to worry about that home collapsing on them. And so the carpenter then is careful. He's selective as he chooses the appropriate lumber, two-by-fours or two-by-sixes or whatever he will use to construct the frame of that home. But now this text here, as it speaks about a frame, is not talking about the frame of a building, but instead it's talking about the frame of a human being. That which is hidden from the human eye. What is it that makes up your frame? On the inside, what are your core values? 
What is important to you? What's inside of your heart? That's man's frame. You don't get to know the frame of an individual immediately. As a young couple gets to know one another, a man and a woman, their knowledge of the frame of the person with whom they are in a relationship deepens over time. At first you just have a superficial understanding of the other individual. But then as the relationship continues, and as you feel comfortable sharing more about your desires, your dreams, your fears, your hopes, you get to know more and more of the frame of that individual. It takes time to get to know one's frame. We would like to think, as we reflect upon ourselves by nature, that our core values are pretty good. After all, we've been raised in a Christian home. We've had the example of godly leaders in the church. We have accountability to come unto the house of the Lord. We sit regularly under the preaching of His Word. We come to Bible studies. We participate in the organic life of the congregation. And so we would hope that as somebody conducts an examination of us and looks not just at what is on the exterior, but looks at our very frame, that this individual would find that we have solid principles rooted in the Holy Scriptures. And since God is the one that is conducting this examination of our frame, we would hope that what God would find in us is that our core values are consistent with what the Scriptures teach. Perhaps God would even be pleased with what He finds in our frame. What does this text tell us constitutes our frame? For He knows our frame and this is what he finds. He remembers that we are dust. Dust is your frame and mine. Dust, one of the smallest particles visible to the unassisted human eye. Dust, from the point of view of man, it's worthless. To my knowledge, there is no value in dust. In fact, man considers dust to be an annoyance. Dust gets into one's eyes, and it irritates the eyes, and your eyes begin to water. Dust enters into the nose, and it makes one sneeze as the body's natural response to remove dust from the body. I can remember earlier in life cleaning out a grain bin. Remove most of the grain out of the grain bin, but then there's the final bed on the bottom. You take a broom and you're sweeping out the grain bin, and the dust is so thick in that grain bin that it feels like you could chew that dust. It gets over every 
pool of your body. God created eyelashes and nose hair for the very purpose of preventing dust from getting into your eyes and getting into your lungs. Dust is not even of value to the farmer. Dirt or soil the farmer can work with. He can plant his crops in the soil, but dust is of no help to the farmer. Indeed, if the farmer mismanages his crops, then the soil will eventually turn into dust, and another dust bowl will occur. Just as dust is of no value outside of the home in the farm place, so also it is the case that inside of the home, dust is of no value. The tidy Dutch housekeeper is irritated by the presence of dust in the home. She takes her broom, she takes her mop, and she seeks, seeks to clean up and remove dust from any of the surfaces of the home. She sweeps the dust into the dustpan and then throws that dust into the garbage. God knows our frame. And he remembers that we are dust. Sometimes man forgets this reality that he is but dust. The proud man is, is tempted to have an inflated view of himself. The proud man looks into the mirror. He observes himself in the mirror and he imagines that he has something besides dust or something more than dust. After all, man has advanced. Man has powerful abilities to think and reason and create things with his mind and with his body. The proud man insists, I am more than dust. I have certain rights. I have the right to be heard. I have the right to be understood. I have the right for my way not only to be heard, but my way should be adopted by others. And then man, believing that he has certain rights that are owed unto him, becomes upset and angry when he does not get his way. The husband, if he does not feel that he is respected sufficiently by his wife, might sulk and hide away, for after all, the wife is not treating him properly. The wife, if she feels that she is not properly loved or cared for by her husband, might feel that she has the right to show her frustration by stomping around the house. And yet both that proud man and that proud woman forget God's words. He knows our frame and remembers that we are but dust. And yet let us not forget, on the other hand, if we are tempted to be deflated and think that we are worthless and nothing, Remember, you are dust. You're something. Might not be much. Might wish you were more. But you are dust. 
knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. As we reflect on this year gone by, we see that God has given unto us many reminders that man is but dust. We are reminded of this in the death of loved ones as God takes one from our presence. We are reminded of this as we see the turmoil that happens in the political world. As we hear in the news of wars and rumors of war. As one nation fights against another nation. And seeks to take the lives of the other members. We are dust. We are reminded of this as we stand before God in the power of creation. God sends forth his cold and who can stand before that cold? He sends ice and snow. And as we stand before that power of God, we are but dust. We are dust and according to the Holy Scriptures, we will return unto the dust at the time of our death. The reason we return unto the dust from whence we came is our sinfulness. It's because of my sinful nature that I have the same worth as a particle of dust. It is because of my rebellion in Adam. As we rebelled against the living God and the commandments that he has given unto us, that death reigns and death will continue to reign for as long as mankind continues on this earth. The humble, sincere confession of the child of God is, I am dust. But the wonder of this text is that God considers us. Two words which are used to speak of God's consideration of man. He knows our frame. He remembers. That we are dust. Knowledge and remembrance. How incredible and how amazing this is that God remembers dust. The God who is great and greatly to be praised. The God who is infinitely exalted above this earth. The God who is holy, holy, holy. The God who is so great that the heavens of heavens cannot contain him. The God who is worshipped in the beauty of holiness. Who by his mighty hand and outstretched arm upholds the heavens and the earth and all that is therein. The God who has even the very hairs of our head numbered. This transcendent almighty God thinks about God. He knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. Behold the gentleness of our God as he gives unto us this knowledge that we are but dust creatures. God does not beat this reality into us with a whip. God is not cruel in the way that he brings this truth unto us. But the scriptures say that he remembers that we are Dust. That word remember is a rich term. It does not simply mean to reflect back upon something. 
to recall an experience or an event that has happened in one's life. That's how we commonly use that word. Or remember that this happened or that happened. And so we recall sometimes with fond memories and other times with bittersweet memories instances that happened in our lives. But God does not remember in the same way that man remembers. For our God is exalted above time. For God there is no past tense. Time is but a creature in God's almighty hands. God is yesterday, today, and tomorrow. A thousand days are in His sight as an evening gone by. So when the Scriptures speak of God remembering something, God remembering that we are but dust, the Scriptures mean more simply than that God recalls a certain truth unto mind. But rather the meaning of this word, beloved, is that God recalls unto mind with love and with affection. This is a covenantal term, this word remember. Oftentimes this word is used in the Holy Scriptures with God as the subject and with man, covenant man, as the object. God remembers His people. He does not forget about His people. The word speaks of the relationship that God establishes with His people. A few examples of how the Scriptures use this word, remember. One of those instances is Genesis 8. Genesis 8, verse 1. This comes at the end of the flood that God sent that covered the whole face of the earth. And God kept alive but a few, that is, eight souls. And now it's just Noah and his family in the ark. Then we read Genesis 8 verse 1. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. That is, the waters went back down. They receded. And as well, we read of this word in the next chapter, Genesis 9, verse 15. Here God speaks to Noah about His covenant. And I will remember My covenant, which is between Me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And one more instance of this word is found in Exodus. Exodus 2, verse 24. The Israelites are captives in Egypt at this point in time. The Israelites have been not treated fairly by Pharaoh, but they've been oppressed by Pharaoh. And now God comes to Israel as they are found in Egypt and says, Exodus 2, verse 24, And God heard their groaning. And God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, 
and with Jacob. That God remembers His people, beloved, means that God takes His people, whom He has chosen in all eternity, and He draws them unto Himself by His Word and by His Holy Spirit, and He covenants with them. Dust creatures. He covenants with dust creatures. That He remembers that we are dust does not mean that He looks down upon us or despises us. That he remembers that we are dust creatures does not mean that he is inclined to withdraw from us, for after all, what good are dust creatures unto me? But that God remembers that we are dust means that God is pleased to take us unto himself through Jesus Christ. Generally, the operations of God is that please, he is first, it is first his will to have us suffer. And then after we go through a period of suffering, then He gives unto us reminders of His faithful, steadfast love for us. First, He tries us. He humbles us. He reminds us that we are but dust creatures. And then He gives unto us yet another evidence of His love and mercies, which are new unto us every morning. As some reflect upon this year gone by, their memories will be that it was a difficult and trying year. A year in which one endured hardship. Some could relate to Noah, who felt very alone after the floods came and destroyed all of the people upon the face of this earth. Others, as they reflect upon this year, will be able to relate to the Israelites, who were captives down in Egypt, who were mistreated, who were persecuted, who suffered. But here is God's word. He remembers those who are dust. He does not forget His people, but He covenants with them. Where is the gospel in this verse? The gospel is this, beloved, that God not only remembers that we are dust, but God Himself became dust through His Son, Jesus Christ. God did not merely look from His vantage point in heaven upon people of this earth, who are dust creatures and seek to empathize with them from afar. But God condescended to this earth, took upon Himself in Jesus Christ flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone. He suffered. He was reproached, rejected, despised. A man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. There was no form or comeliness in Him that we should desire Him. Because the Son of Man became a dust creature, it was possible then for His blessed body to be taken out to that hill called Golgotha, for His hands to be pierced and His ankles and feet as well, as He was hanged upon that cross where He bore the weight 
of the wrath of God for the sins of his people. There at the cross, Jesus Christ earned for God's people the right to be forgiven their sins. God remembers with unforgettable memory the fact that we are dust creatures, but God does not remember our sins. Isaiah 45, 43, verse 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. What a comfort this is for us. At the end of this year, as we reflect upon what has happened to us in the year gone by, we might check to see if we have progressed in any way. Is there growth? Has there been development? It could be that we, as we look back upon this year, feel that nothing special has happened to us. Perhaps our accomplishments are so small that we would be embarrassed even to tell anyone of what we did in this year gone by. Perhaps some even went backwards. But let us not be dismayed. For God knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Thou art the God who sits enthroned on high. We are creatures of the dust and sinful besides. Wilt thou look down upon us in thy mercy and in thy grace? Wilt thou, Father, uphold us throughout this night and bring us back into thy house on the morning that we might be reminded at the beginning of the new year of thy care and thy love for us? Wilt thou forgive graciously the sins that we have committed against thee even in this hour of worship, and wilt thou hear this prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.